Hello, I'm Jedevine. Welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I apologise if any of you can hear the pitter-patter of rain hitting my window. I'm currently recording this introduction at home, and uh, I have a sort of attic loft window, which is currently being hammered by the rain. Apologies uh, to anyone who can hear that, or maybe you're enjoying it. Maybe it adds a uh, atmospheric dimension to the listening experience of the TIFO Football Podcast. Today I was joined by Alex Stewart, and we did something slightly different. Uh, we spent the whole episode responding to your comments. Lots lots that you'd left on YouTube. Not all of them, obviously. Many of them are filled with hate. <laughs> many, many of them are filled with hate. But there were some interesting ones, and uh, we responded to things like, you know, suggestions for videos, particular questions about why we'd done something in a certain video, or why we hadn't done something in a particular video. Most of them relate to tactics, so this episode actually isn't that dissimilar to most of the tactics episodes that we record. Um, so if you're interested to hear it, please listen on. If not, abandon ship now. Either way, that's okay with me. One thing I'd like to address before we get started with the podcast uh, is the TIFO Tactics podcast, which a couple of people have asked me about. Um, understandably, we mentioned it as an idea a few months ago. Uh, we still really like the idea. We're just working out logistically how to do it. Um, and at the moment, uh, our ideas uh, run along the lines of having some consistency in, in each episode of the, of the series. So we're thinking that we would like to talk about the Premier League, for example, from a tactical point of view, uh, every week, maybe for 20 or 30 minutes, and then potentially bookend those episodes with little featured sections about teams from the, w- the rest of the world, because we don't want to we don't want to be uh, totally Anglo-centric. Um, one thing that I'm slightly unsure of how to proceed with, and therefore I thought that I would ask uh, for your feedback, if you would like to get in touch and let us know what you think about this, is whether listeners would prefer that the episodes worked in such a way that the first half was about the Premier League every week, and then the second half of the podcast had that featured section of a team around the world, or would listeners prefer that the uh, that the shows were split into two, so that they might come out twice a week, and that there would be one half an hour podcast about the Premier League, and another separate podcast that comes out in the middle of the week that features a team from around the world, which might be easier if people wanted to listen to one section of that and not to both, but then also might be frustrating for people who, you know, in the in the same sense, who want to listen to one and not to both, but get notifications on their phone for the episode that they don't want. So I'm not really sure how to proceed with that. I thought it was... You know, since it's more about how how you guys are going to respond uh, either way that we do it, I thought I might as well ask to see what you would prefer. So um, do uh, get in touch and let us know. That would be useful for us. A little bit of feedback. Obviously, it's uh, it's about the listeners anyway. So if you can get in touch and let us know, you can email us. Uh, you can find all that information on tifofootball.com. Also, all of our social information. Probably uh, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be to leave uh, a comment under the SoundCloud here or under the YouTube um, comment section, but probably the best way to get in touch with us is to email us, which you can do at info at tifofootball.com. There you go. That would be lovely. Uh, so please do let us know in whatever way most suits you, or tweet me at jm underscore divine, divine is spelt D-E-V-I-N-E, or tweet Alex Stewart and tell him he's a, you know, call him bad names. That could be funny. It'd be funny for me. Who knows? Anyway, uh, thanks very much uh, for listening to me ramble here. The jazz flute is is coming at you, and uh, beyond that, you will hear more of me. How, what a delight for you! Anyway, thanks for listening.
Okay, Alex, so we're going to go through uh, some of the comments that have, le- have been left on our uh, YouTube channel in date descending order. Uh, I'm going to read them out and then you, go- you and I can respond to them as best we can. Uh, the first comment is from Paris Adekari, who asks about the Edison tactics video that we made, Manchester City's goalkeeper. Was this made before the January window, or what? No mention of Laporte when naming the centre-backs. Um, so I guess he's asking why we haven't talked about their new player, Alex. Can you explain why? Yeah, um, so Laporte was signed in January. He's played three Premier League games and one FA Cup game. Um, this obviously was a, a Champions League focus video in in kind of the run up to that particular fixture. So we were looking at, at, at who had played in the Champions League. Obviously, ironically, Edison was rested for that game. So <laughs> unfortunately, that uh, we saw Claudio Bravo being not quite as good as Edison in the video instead. Mm. Um, I think the reason that, that it's an interesting question is that... Um, Guardiola buys players that will fit a system. So you can actually, yes, okay, we referenced a couple of those players by name, but it's, there's not going to be a great deal of difference, whether it's Company or Laporte or Stones or Otamendi, who's improved as a passer of the ball enormously under Guardiola. Those players are fairly interchangeable. So what we were looking at with that is... How does the goalkeeper act as a as a fifth defender in terms of being a, a passing option uh, for the other defenders around them or for Fernandinho dropping in? In that regard, it kind of doesn't matter too much which centre-backs you're talking about because they're all pretty comfortable on the ball and the, the system doesn't change whether it's Otamendi playing as the left-sided centre-back or it's company or it's Stones or, or whomsoever. So... I think Laporte's a good acquisition because I think he will fit into that system. But in terms of, of the making of the video, the, the general point was to say, how does the defensive structure and the passing system revolve around Edison and, and the personnel are less important? Um, it's more what Edison does. Okay, uh, that makes sense to me. Uh, the next question uh, comes from D Destiny TV Beast. Hey Tifo, can you do a tactical analysis of Inter v Napoli? I think it would be better to show a defensive team versus an attacking team. I think the second part of that question uh, is maybe more interesting to us than, than the first uh, because Alex uh, and I tend not to do previews running up to games and we can explain why, but also maybe there's something in the idea of doing a sort of a tactical analysis of a atypical defensive team versus a atypical attacking team. What do you think about that, Alex? So I think it's it's an interesting question. Firstly, it... it I, I guess it goes to what do they mean by attacking and, and defensive. So for a start, yeah. that's situational. So teams do play slightly differently away from home, um, or perhaps if they're a really strong team, they might play the same away from home if they're playing someone weaker. So if Napoli visit Benevento, they're extremely unlikely to change the way they play massively. Whereas if Napoli visit Roma or Juve, there will be differences to a degree um inter are not an enormously defensive team um i i think sometimes the idea of playing patiently slowly building from the back appears to be defensive but it, it is actually that is their method of attacking it's not as quick it's not as vertical but that doesn't mean it's not an attacking style what we try to do when we look at, at teams within videos, and this is partly why 
it's harder to do, you know, team A versus team B is we try to split the analysis up to say, generally speaking, this is how a team defends. Generally speaking, this is how a team attacks. Generally speaking, this is how they relate to each other or how the transition occurs. And it works, I think, because if you analysed every single individual performance of that team, and when, when I'm making the videos, you know, I will sit and watch three, four, five games pretty much the whole way through um, to get an impression of how a team plays, you will notice subtle differences in every single one. So it, it's impossible to say that, you know, if if you watch our Inter video, that is exactly how Inter will play in every single match. And and I think anybody who understands what we're seeking to do would understand that. If you then take it... To, I will say also... Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I was also going to say that that sort of ties into what we were talking about uh, a couple of weeks ago when we recorded that episode about stats, you know, and the idea that it's difficult to sort of... Um, uh, for for us to sort of attribute value to everything that's happening on the pitch or have a structure that we can understand, that we can see reflected in what is happening on the pitch because football is a very flowing game and, uh, you know, there are so many possible moves that each player could make that you have to accept that even if there are very rigid tactics that are set out by a manager, uh, depending on particular events that occur within games, they, they can go out the window in the first five minutes. I mean, you often see in football games if a goal is scored very, very early on, the team no longer plays in the way that they've just trained to play. Mm-hmm. You know, for the, the, the two days beforehand, their game plan has to completely change, and you see players lose their lose their minds anyway, and that can result in conceding or scoring goals at certain times as well. So, uh, I think I think your point is very valid, Alex. Yeah, I think it's entirely dynamic, and and I think what's also interesting is that actually, the degree to which teams are adaptive and flexible, either in game as a result of what's occurred or actually because the manager is is looking to be um uh, i suppose reactive in in terms of looking at, at how the opposition is likely to set up and then disposing his team accordingly you know that in itself is actually a stylistic difference between certain managers so you know Mourinho for example is is famously adept at uh, working out how the opposition are likely to do stuff and then setting up a team in part to negate that, whereas other managers will essentially keep the same sort of system and try and play the same sort of way irrespective of, of what the opposition are going to do. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be subtle tweaks and you know that, that you might identify a particular opposition player as, as a as a strong link in that team or a weak link in that team and adjust accordingly. You might ask a central midfielder to seek to play five to 10 yards higher up the pitch because they can bring something based on the spacing of the other team that that they couldn't do if they were sitting further back. But again, just that decision of, you know, do we look at what the opposition are doing and try to match them? It's very interesting. If you look at, look at teams, any team. I mean, we've been concentrating on Serie A recently, but you will find some teams that by and large will use, not even by and large, actually, some teams like Sampdoria use the same formation every single game. And the tweaks within that formation are quite subtle, whereas other teams will be much, much more adaptive and, and are happy to go, you know, from a a three four two one to a three four one two to 
more of a five three two you know that these these teams kind of shift and and morph a little bit dependent on who they're playing against others have a much firmer tactical identity and that's what they try and stick with and the, the tweaks are much more subtle so I suppose you know yes it, it is interesting to look at how some types of teams will pose vulnerabilities to a team that we're analyzing and, and that is something that we have looked at in videos before where we've said you know if you're playing against Spurs, one of the things that you can do is congest the half space because that's something that Spurs look to exploit themselves. And, and if you then try and attack very directly down the wide space, you might have some joy against that. But it's very difficult to look at at, at two teams and, and guess how they're going to set up and what they're going to do in each individual instance. What would be an interesting idea would be if uh, we were to take the best team, you know, let's say the best team in the Premier League at the moment, Manchester City, and we've made, you know, we've made a couple of videos before revolving around how they play. One in particular that was titled "How How Can You Beat Manchester City? What What Perhaps Are Their Weaknesses of Their of Their System and Their Formation?" Uh, what would be an interesting idea might be if you could uh, select, you know, of all the players in the Premier League, let's say uh, any eleven that you wanted, and you could set out uh, your team system so you pick pick the specific players to do the particular jobs and then you try to assemble a team from the rest of the Premier League that you think would have a good chance at beating Manchester City it would be entirely hypothetical but it would be kind of fun it would be kind of fun um I quite like that idea actually um as a sort of putative I mean it wouldn't be a tactics explained would it it'd be a tactics massively guessed at um <laughs> so, well, on a related sort of like point, football actually, manager, really, uh, isn't it? But I, yeah, well, it kind, of, it kind of is. It was more freedom. Yeah, I mean, or, or potentially just pick Liverpool and assume that the same thing would happen. Sure. Well, actually, on that point, uh, slightly related notes. What we were talking about at the beginning there. Uh, I want to mention Liverpool because one of the, one of the videos that uh, we made this season, which has picked up. Um, what seemed to impress the most people was the Mohamed Salah video that we made a tactical profile about Mohamed Salah very early on in the season, I think two games into the season. Uh, and we were uh, we were saying that we thought he was going to have a good season, that he was probably going to score lots of goals. Since that's obviously happened, I think Harry Kane has taken over as top goal scorer now, but for a long time Mohamed Salah was the Premier League's top goal scorer. And we've had lots of people coming back and leaving comments saying you you have predicted this which in in a sense is you know is a version of the truth but i wanted to pick up on that because it was uh, similar to what we were just talking about with inter, inter milan before i think there is there's obviously no way of, of of predicting anything and we would acknowledge that alex who wrote the video would acknowledge that what happens in those videos and the best that we can do as tifo is to look at the tactical systems of football teams look at the uh, the inherent individual abilities of particular players and suggest that there might be a pattern there and suggest that in Liverpool's case, for example, uh, the system uh, is geared in a particular way so as that it is going to allow Mohamed Salah some freedom in these areas, uh, probably regularly throughout games. But Salah still has to go on and score those goals. And at the time that we made the video, he was obviously missing quite a lot. He was getting quite a lot of chances, but he wasn't being very clinical in his finishing. So that there's no possible way for us to predict things completely. The best that we can do, I think you'll agree, Alex, is just to suggest that this might be one interpretation of an event and that if it comes into fruition, it makes us look very good. But it's not, you know, it's not really 100%. It's not totally accurate way of looking at what's happened is it no i think that's very fair and i think with that salah video that you know that is exactly what we did we we 
we looked at the way that Klopp had played the season before and the the sorts of players that, that do well under Klopp and particularly within the front three system that, that he likes to use. And it seemed like it could be a good fit. Uh, you know, there's not, there's nothing to suggest that, okay, okay there, there probably are, there, there are certain players who I expect, not many of them, but would be able to do extraordinarily well at more or less any team. And I think it's quite interesting. You might take someone like Cristiano Ronaldo and stick him at Burnley. Well, he'd, Ronaldo would probably actually get quite a few goals at Burnley because Burnley cross the ball quite a lot and Ronaldo's brilliant in the air. So that seems like an odd match. Would would Messi do well at Burnley? Well, you know, Messi would probably do anywhere. But otherwise, beyond that kind of like utterly elite tier and obviously the development of a player into an elite player does also reflect back on the circumstances in which that development occurs. So there are probably a load of really great players out there who never actually came to fruition because they were in the wrong team at the wrong time or under the wrong system or whatever. Um, but it's it's all contextual. And this is what we were talking about in the stats video as well. You know, you can't look at any single facet of football in isolation. You can't look at a player's XG statistics without looking at the system that they play in. You can't look at the system that they play in without understanding who they're playing against or understanding what their manager's like or understanding the other players in that team. You know, you could have an absolutely stellar attacking player, but the entire tactical outlook of the team he's playing for is predicated on the fact that their two centre-backs are rubbish and so they have to protect those two centre-backs in a particular kind of way and that attacking player ends up looking like they're not very good because of something else that's happening in that team to to kind of mitigate their strengths. Well, that means to me, like exactly as you've said, you know, we we can, you know, I watch a lot of football. I I like to think that I have a fairly good idea of what's going on a lot of the time, but it's a lot of it is still basically educated guesswork in terms of how a player is going to do. Just as if you watch one of our tactical videos, yes, you will get a very good sense of how that team tends to play. If you took an average sense of what that team seeks to do across the course of a season, that's it. But if you watched that video alongside one particular performance, you would notice differences. Or, or a couple of months later. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I should absolutely. point out that whilst we, we, we're recording a podcast about responding to comments, uh, for that very reason, a lot of the videos can be easy in a sort of narrow sense to argue with. We don't we don't argue with that point at no. all. If you watch one game and it's not the average, if you watch a couple of months later. So uh, as I'm reading out comments, I am missing out <laughs> many, many tens <laughs> in between that like to point out what they think is is uh, is wrong. Also, you know, they're very useful comments. I'm not knocking them at all. It's always good to receive feedback. Yeah. But I think Alex's <clears throat> point is very true that what we are showing you uh, is what we believe to be a sort of average way that this team plays, or a team a way that they set up regularly, as far as as far as we see. I think there's also a point to make, which is that part of what we're seeking to do is explain how football works generally, and 
that in in one sense you could look at the tactical videos as being an example of a system that happens to use a certain number of players from a certain team but if you want to look at the the Sampdoria video that we did recently for example one way of looking at that is to say okay that's how Sampdoria play the other way of looking at it is to say if a team plays four at the back plays a certain kind of midfield uses a deep lying sort of you know playmaker who keeps it short and looks for overlaps from fullbacks that push forward etc etc how might that team set up and that's how that team might set up and what might be good about it and what might be bad about it now the best example of that currently is Sampdoria there's nothing to say that next season they won't do something totally different they might have a different manager they'll probably lose a couple of their good players they might have to radically adjust in which case Within eight months, that Sampdoria video is going to be out of date. Of course it is. But there will be another team that is playing a similar formation and a similar style. And you'll be able to watch that video and understand, ah, right, okay, so that's why when that fullback pushes up, that midfielder tucks into one side. Or Mm -hmm. that's what they're seeking. Almost forget that it's related to Sampdoria. Exactly. So, you know, it's not simply about... Yes, okay, we construct the videos by watching footage of the teams and by looking at the particular players and that's why and how they come about because ultimately somebody wants to look at, at, you know, Inter or Lazio or Sampdoria or whomsoever and go, okay, this is what they're doing, how do they do it? And that's what we're trying to explain. But we're also trying to get people, or I think we're trying to get people to look at at tactics within football more generally to see how you can do certain things or why there is a purpose to doing certain things and and it makes that easier to understand it you know if you watch the aggregate of our videos you'd have a good sense of why teams press in a particular way what pressing triggers are how some teams exploit pressing and you don't need to tie that into a particular team except as an example of a concept. So if you watch our videos as a whole, that's what you're getting. You're getting a series of concepts which happen to be exemplified by the team that best embodies that concept at the moment. Tell you what, Alex, that is the reason why I like it when the players retire because that never changes. On that note, Michael Carrick, who made a video about him, uh, unlike, I mean, is he retired now? I always, you know, he's, he's still, retiring he's at the end of the he? season to become a, right, a so coach. He is retiring at the end of the season, yeah. So it's very unlikely that he's going to do anything uh, to drastically change what a video summarising the tactical performance of his career would be, which is why it's fun to make one about him now. Uh, and uh, Julio Delgadillo uh, has uh, commented on that and said, always been one of my favourite midfielders. Thank you for that, Julio. Uh, Will Drake uh, starts his comment on the Inter Milan video with a lovely compliment. Thank you for that. And then he adds, could you guys do a team profile for Ch- uh, Shakhtar Donetsk? I know there's more to their success than just having a bunch of Brazilians, uh, but since the Ukrainian Premier League doesn't attract top media billing, it would be an enlightening video. Alex, I don't think we have any plans to do a tactical video on uh, Shakhtar just at the moment. However, I can say um, that we do have a video on Shakhtar in in the plans, but it's with James Montague, and I believe it is about the owner of Shatar Donetsk. So hopefully that will um, satisfy your uh, curiosity for the time being, Will Drake, and we will add that uh, 
to the list of um, ideas going forwards. Michelle Pizzabella says, I'd love to see a TIFO Tactics Explained video on Atalanta, especially considering last season when they finished in fourth position, which was the best uh, ever position in their history, and they nearly kicked Dortmund out of the Europa League. Alex, do we have anything planned there? Um, I don't I don't specifically have a, a plan for Atalanta. Um, the, the next Tactics Explained continuing our Serie A season is going to be on Lazio, who are a very interesting team with some some really interesting players. I think um, Atalanta did better last season, so perhaps that would, perhaps that would have been our moment to to look at what they're doing. I would point out that there is a, an article on the website about Gasparini, um, more as a kind of a man manager rather than as a, a tactical analysis. Um, so that could well be worth checking out. Look, there's there's twenty teams in Serie A. Um, and that's but one of five top leagues plus a host of other ones. So we we unfortunately are not going to be able to get round to everyone. What I try and do when I'm picking teams to do tactics on is to find ones that exemplify something particularly interesting or have uh, maybe a, a player, a couple of standout players that are doing something unusual, have come into form particularly, or are you know ones for the future so if you look at uh, Lazio the upcoming one that I think will be released next week you've got Chiro Immobile who is uh, the leading scorer in Serie A at the moment Um, if he continues with that it'll be the first time Lazio have had a top scorer in Serie A for a long time Um, and they've also got uh, Milinkovic Savic who is one of these young midfielders We, we did a video about him a few months ago that is on everybody's radar. So I think it's really interesting to look at how those players are doing well within that system. Similarly with uh, Sampdoria, we looked at that partly because Lucas Torreira is having such an incredible season. You know, he's a player that very few people had heard of last season, a young Uruguayan midfielder. And, you know, he, he is now on everybody's radar. And I think it's always worth looking at uh, at players that are kind of coming into the spotlight because I think in a way it's interesting to say okay you, you have a player like that who's obviously a talent you know Milinkovic Savic is a real talent if they get bought at the end of this season which is entirely possible with both of them particularly as Torreira I think has got a sort of 22 and a half million euro buyout clause a it's instructive to see the circumstances in which they've done well. But it's also interesting, I think, to look at that and say, what sort of team would it make sense um, for him to go to in order to to continue that trajectory? Um, you know, you, you get really good players who move to a team where the system doesn't necessarily suit them uh, and they end up disappointing to some degree. And... I think one of the things that that I try and do when I'm doing these videos is is to look at have have an eye to players that might move on in short order and and try and contextualize the circumstances that have made them successful partly so that if they then move somewhere else you can kind of have a sense of okay well this is why it's going well because actually these are the aspects of of the new teams play that are very similar to the old team or this is why a great player is is doing really really badly it's because they actually play a totally different style um 
so that uh, I, hopefully that gives some sort of insight into why we make some of the choices that we do with the teams that we look at. This comment is from Pedro. You guys should do a video about Porto. Uh, they're doing very well at the moment. I believe we have that lined up, Alex. Yes, we do. Um, so one of the things that, that Tifo is always interested in doing is finding really interesting tactical writers um, who are working elsewhere or have specific knowledge of uh, other countries, other leagues. Uh, I will be the first to admit that I know basically nothing about Liga NOS um, except for dabbling with Porto on Football Manager about six months ago. Um, so we've we found somebody, um, Tiago, who really knows his stuff in that area, and I think he's going to produce a, a number of videos on what's happening in Portugal. Um, it's a really interesting league because they've got uh, a very, very strong tradition there, particularly in the last sort of five or ten years of teams that are excellent at scouting um for unheralded players from brazil from eastern europe and bringing them in and also developing their own players and and those guys then going on to um with no disrespect to the portuguese league but bigger teams elsewhere so i think uh it's it's a fascinating league to be able to look at and because of the way we like to do stuff at tifo uh, we've gone and found somebody who really knows what they're talking about to explain that stuff. So, um, yeah, hopefully... We're good, aren't we? Well, we're nice like that, you know. There <laughs> there are ones that I know okay. about and there are ones that I don't, and I'll be the first to admit that. Oh, sure. It would be silly to claim that you knew about all the Portuguese teams. Right? You've barely got enough time to keep up with everything else. <laughs> this is true enough. Anyway, from us being nice to someone being mean, Manuel. Hello, Manuel. Uh, Manuel quotes us. Is I always love it when a comment starts with a quote of something we've said because you know that nine times out of ten it's about to be shattered. Uh, Manuel quotes us saying, "This season, Internazionale have performed above the expectations set by the last few years, which I believe is how we opened our Inter Milan video. This also, incidentally, could uh, feature as part of the earlier conversation that we had about timing, because obviously, you know, sometimes form falls off a cliff at, at uh, a second's notice, and." The in terms of lead time when we make these videos, we do have to start the process a good two weeks before they get published, purely because of how long it actually takes to make them. That is one of the downsides of these videos, and that's also one of the reasons, incidentally, that we don't do things like previews for games unless it's a huge game like the Champions League. We tend to avoid doing things like that because, as you will all know, injuries happen, late changes happen. We simply can't be in a position two or three weeks before a game to predict who's going to play and what's going to happen. So that's what one of the reasons that we avoid things like that but Manuel continues by saying uh no up to a bad start there I think I'm just going to tell you he's talking to you Alex because you wrote that uh these last few years they finished the league between fourth and eighth place at the moment they're fifth that's par for the course he says so I guess that's one very specific way of looking at it I would like to give you an opportunity to uh rebut that Alex because I think there probably are other ways of looking at uh, how uh, a team can perform above expectations rather than specifically their league position at a completely um unimportant point of the league yeah the 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 point that I was making there and and I'm sure Manuel went on to hear what was literally the next Manuel next sentence in the video was that um over the the last sort of well, I mean, actually going back a decade, really, Inter have had uh, a serious upheaval behind the scenes. Um, 
they also had upheaval not behind the scenes but with with Mario Cardi last season that the captain and and undoubtedly the the star player who got into a load of trouble with comments in his autobiography about inter fans so my point was more that in what is a pretty strong Serie A within itself I mean I know obviously AC Milan got done by Arsenal yesterday which is kind of a surprise to everyone but um there are some really, really good teams relative to the other good teams in Serie A. And as the previous um, commenter pointed out about Atalanta having done well, AC Milan, Sampdoria, you've always got Fiorentina in the mix there. Inter, Inter should not be nailed on for a top four finish. And I think the point that I was making there is that the consistency of their results, the longest unbeaten run in Serie A, um, so far this season with with 16 wins or draws in a row that open their account that was a surprising degree of solidity and consistency of performance compared to both how they have performed in previous seasons which has been much more up and down and also how you would expect them to perform given that they've changed managers five times in about four years so that was my point um I think Inter mm-hmm. are one of the giants of Italian football and you would, in much the same way as there is a kind of hegemony of six or seven clubs in the Premier League, you know, Inter, Inter are definitely among that. I think they finished ninth as recently as three years ago, four years ago. So, you know, it's I, I think I think Manuel is, is taking a particular kind of reading of that sentence and not necessarily looking at all of the things that it refers to and indeed the actual results but his comments are most welcome they are they are indeed manuel i was just uh jiving you before when i when i cursed your name um oh i didn't curse it i cried it hold on i'm just scrolling back up to find a comment that i uh, wanted to respond to there's quite a lot of them so i'm just shifting through but ah here we go Shandy. Shandy commented and said, lovely name, Shandy. Shandy commented and said, Tifo is on a video streak. Three videos in three days. Uh, we, we publish videos every day, Shandy, except the weekend. Don't come here at the weekend because uh, there's only, well, sometimes there's stuff on a Saturday. Uh, but uh, just to clear anything up here, if anyone's listening, you know, this is a perfect place for a schedule, isn't it? Half an hour into a podcast. Monday, it's a podcast. Tuesday, tends to be a tactical profile. Wednesday, it's a by the numbers. Thursday, tactics explained. Friday alternates between a brief history of and often a meet the owners video that is written by the one and only James Montague. So we do publish content pretty much every day. We also have that additional podcast. Do check that out. Um, and uh, and uh, okay, next up, and I'm just going to have to scroll now because there's Andy Taylor. You spelt technically wrong. <laughs> yes, I know. 150 people have told me. That happened about uh, a year and a half ago on one of the first videos I made. I spelt technically wrong. And yes, I do know that. Thank you. Thank you for telling me. Uh, but in the future, just read through the other comments and see the other 150 people who also told me that. Um, but yes, you'd make a keen-eyed sub-editor. Uh, Fiery with Beauty Trump Boardroom Edition... Uh, that's an interesting name, said, I cry every night for this Hammers Rodriguez video with real-life footage. Um, that's that's nice. Uh, just I read that out just to, to, to remind you guys. 
that we are working with the Bundesliga uh, fortnightly and we are in the wonderful position uh, where we get to use live footage because um, obviously the videos go out on their channel and they have all of the all of the rights. Those are issues that, that have cropped up uh, would crop up for us if we tried to do that on our channel, so we can't. So it's, it's very fun for us, Alex, and uh, it's a new experience. But you should go over to the Bundesliga channel and uh, and check those out because um, it's amazing how different they are to what we make on on our channel, isn't it? Yes, um, and I think it's it's the a really nice way of exemplifying the points that we're trying to make. Um, and I think it allows us to, rather than paint the sort of broad brush strokes that we're talking about with the, the illustrated videos we do, um, we can be more granular on one or two specific facets of a, a team style or a player. So it's definitely a, an interesting yeah, yeah. thing. You, you, you know, you, you'll be getting a different type of information to what you get from our, uh, illustrated videos so i think that the, the two are definitely complementary um but uh yeah so so watch both really and and do watch both that's, that's probably the best just thing. watch just watch just everything. watch everything we do here's a good string uh here's an interesting string of comments here uh the humiliator and i should point out not just the humiliator many many people have asked us to make a video about scott mctominay um, and that's probably quite a, a reasonable idea. At the moment, uh, we have farmed out our tactical profile videos to the wonderful Simon Harrison, who is a La Liga expert, uh, who just before over Christmas and before was uh, was writing tactics explained videos about La Liga teams, including Barcelona, Valencia, and the like. Uh, so he has done uh, five or six tactical profiles for us. One of them is on Cristiano Ronaldo, actually, guys. Very exciting. I don't think we've done a video on Ronaldo before, Alex. But anyway, that's going out tomorrow. I believe uh well, well if you're listening to this podcast on the day of release monday should be going on tuesday uh which is the 13th of march that's completely unnecessary anyway scott mctominay alex i think that's probably a good idea um i suppose look it depends what people want really um think about the views <laughs> yeah I, I i try not to think about the views mctominay's no i know that's a good point that's a good point to make actually Mc... that is make that point because that's a good well, point okay the McTominay's started four Premier League games um, and and made, uh, what, a further three as a sub or something. It's I, I get that there's an appetite and there's an interest when a player comes in. And, and I don't I don't mean this in a disrespectful way to any of the commenters. And, you know, a lot of times we do get excellent suggestions from people. People request things that hadn't occurred to us. And we go, oh, that, that's a really great idea. Maybe I'll do that. Well, I, th- I think I suppose they would like to know why he's being played ahead of other midfielders. Well, including Pogba. Sure, but what I'm saying is that that with a sample size of four full games, mm-hmm. some of which he probably didn't finish. Uh, Are we asking too much of you? Alex? I, I don't think it's asking too much. I'm I'm very reticent to commit to trying to look at a player when you're you're drawing inference from such a small number of games. To, yeah, to say, yeah. all right, definitively, this is what Scott McTominay does. This is why he's good. This is why he's playing ahead of Pogba. And I know perfectly well that if we did a video entitled Why Scott McTominay is Better Than Paul Pogba, then lots of people would yep. watch it. But yes, they would. I think that... Look how good we are, Alex. That would be idiotic, though, because... Well, it would, but in another way... it. Would. This is a genuine concern. This is an interesting point to make. It gives you a slight... 
uh, insight uh, into the into the inner workings of the TIFO group people uh, because we very well could do that and I think we have garnered enough respect over the last sort of couple of years for people to at least initially treat it uh, treat videos like that with respect and you will see without wanting to to uh, you know uh, point fingers at any any other YouTube channels obviously everyone does what they do very very well. But we could very easily make a video titled Why Scott McTominay is Better Than Paul Popper or is Playing Ahead. And it would probably get more views than the average views our videos do get. However, for the precise point that Alex is making, it wouldn't make any sense for us to do that. It probably wouldn't be uh, correct in terms of the title anyway. And uh, we're just, we're better than that, aren't we, Alex? We're so good. <laughs> I don't... Tell them how, tell them how good yeah. we are. <laughs> no, look, I, I've always thought that that one of the things that tifo does well and and i say that we got you back as somebody who you know who watches the videos that other people do particularly like you know whether it's simon harrison stuff or you know we we don't take this sort of short-termist view where we're just trying to get people to come and we'll chuck up any old nonsense and there is i think I think, like you say, we, we, we've kind of we've established ourselves to the degree that we can actually say this now. What we are seeking to do is to provide an articulate and informed insight into how football actually works, whether that's how it works on the pitch or how it works in the boardroom or how it's worked in the 1970s, whatever it is, whatever our series is, is touching on, whether it's Meet the Owners or it's History Of or it's Tactics Explained, we don't want to to kind of lure tens of thousands of people into watching a video that is actually vacuous and stupid and that's what a lot of the output around football is designed to do and i'm absolutely not pointing any fingers at anybody in particular and and you know but i think we all know as we'll do that after the podcast we'll do that after the podcast well everybody who consumes football <laughs> media knows that there are websites, channels, whatever you want to call it, that that will generate a certain sort of material in order to to meaningless bile. grab people in, whether it's bile or whether it's conjecture or whether it's you know fatuous comparisons, and and we don't do that, and we've never done that, and no. we have no intention of ever doing it because it doesn't teach you anything. Well, don't say that. We, we might need to. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> don't say we'll never do. Um, and if we did do it, we'd do it really well, so it would be worth it. But no, I mean, look. Yeah. It, ultimately, by the end of the season, we might be able to have enough material on Scott McTominay and, and, and be able to look at him mm. and say, oh, okay, well, actually, this is what he's doing really well. And this is yeah. why it's working yeah. particularly well under Mourinho with the players that are around yeah. him but after tell you what, four then, games if he continues to play like yeah but if he, if he continues to play the season if he features you know if, he, if there's enough by the end of the season uh we can make a promise that uh we will we will do a video on scott mctominay if he plays enough games before the beginning of next I'll season happily that's a tifo i promise. will happily do that once i've actually got okay. more to look at and and i think as well you've yeah, got yeah, to the, the, the last thing i'll say on this is you've you, there is narrative around this. You know, I, I I haven't sat down and really thoroughly watched a Manchester United game for a little while, but I don't know whether Scott McTominay 
is incredibly good or whether the reason people are talking about him is because he's the person who happens to have displaced Paul Pogba, who's incredibly expensive and high profile and all the rest of it. So uh, it's very difficult sometimes to distinguish between the noise that surrounds a player because of the external factors of of narrative and politics and what the media is interested in whipping a frenzy up about or whether that player is actually interesting in and of themselves and Mm. i think and the only really good way to do that is to watch the football and turn the commentary off yeah well that's you know i we're privileged that we have access to to platforms that allow us to do that and that's that's exactly what i do when i watch football i don't i don't watch the commentary i'll have a I'll have a list of you know if it's a team that I'm I'm learning about I'll I'll have a list of the the players numbers so that I know who's doing what and I'll just watch it with the sound off uh, and make notes because that's the the purest way for me to be able to understand what's happening without listening to somebody else shouting at me about why it's interesting insight that's that's a golden insight there anyway speaking of golden nick jones uh he said uh he commented on the marco Asensio video saying golden ball at the world cup question mark i assume he's asking uh or suggesting perhaps that marco Asensio might get the golden ball i'm gonna broaden that question and throw it to you alex uh who do you think is gonna get the golden ball at the world cup make a prediction with basically no evidence do it now go no <laughs> surely okay, surely fine. you Moving surely on. you know me well enough to know that my actual answer to that <laughs> question precisely is why I to say you. something along the lines of trying to predict general outcomes at a very small tournament mm-hmm. is pointless particularly well, when it comes to individual performance i, I would find it i would go for someone like thomas muller personally I'm going to go for Harry if Kane I because I love England. Yeah, but Harry Kane is going to be yeah. let down by the rest of them. Damon Keyboy. Damonkey Boy. Oh, Damonkey Boy. That makes more sense. I was just seeing Damon and thinking about Damon Albarn. Anyway, Damonkey Boy, uh, three days ago, he said, Oh my God, please pronounce names correctly. Yeah. This was cringeworthy. Uh, I'm very pleased to see that it's one of your narrated videos. Which one was that? (laughs) But the uh, streaks in Syria stats uh, by the numbers video. The point I will make, firstly, is that I'm not even certain that there are any mispronounced names in that video. It is inevitable, people. We will mispronounce names. And I realise that that offends some people... And I realise that it doesn't actually offend more people than the people it does offend, but they pretend to be offended by it, or it's a lovely opportunity to correct people. Uh, I know from personal experience having to narrate uh, a number of videos every week, and I'm not a football expert in the same way that that Alex here is, uh, so a lot of these names I'm reading for the first time. And I I really do make an effort to go to to Google and to listen to people uh, who have provided pronunciations of the names, um, they're not always available, particularly for some of the smaller teams that we focus on. Some of the players who, who aren't as famous, aren't as well-known, or if they have more unusual names, those names aren't always available. And sometimes I have to make my best guess. Sometimes I'm sure Alex does the same thing. Uh, as long as you understand who we are talking about, which I think you do, because we also tend to provide a picture of them and then write their name down as well, that's all that really matters. You know, Obviously, we're going to aim to correctly pronounce as many names as possible, but mistakes will be made and I feel a little twinge of upset and irritation at myself every single time that it happens 
Uh, and we, as I said, we do everything we can to sort of prevent that from happening, but it isn't always possible to uh, to avoid it. And obviously, Alex is uh, worse than me based on the uh, <laughs> the monkey boy. Uh, people prefer that. your voice to mine. Anyway, people on on this note, very very briefly, and it is, I promise, very brief. Um, there was a video that was put out recently, I don't know, a couple of months back, of of Phil Yayelka, or <laughs> however you actually pronounce it, pronouncing his own name. And right. every single human being who ever said the name Phil Jagielka pronounced it Phil Jagielka. And it's wrong. Yeah. And it's been wrong the entire what is time. So, wow. you know, if, if we... I like, it's one of the fascinating things about watching football is particularly when a, a, a new player arrives in the Premier yeah. League, for example, there will, there, it almost seems like there's a sort of private little conference that all the commentators, all the broadcasters, like across broadcasters as well, ITV, BBC, Sky, they all team up and they just text each other in a WhatsApp group and go, this is how we're mm. going to say it. They leave those little WhatsApp audio recorded yeah. messages and they send them to each other. They agree on something, which often isn't right. And then as it changes a year later, everyone sort of changes seamlessly. It's very interesting thing you to can watch. and I, i've done this myself when i've when i've been looking things up exactly as you say to try and ensure that our pronunciation of things is correct if players have appeared at international tournaments you can sometimes find fifa or uefa compiled guides which basically give you a, ph- a phonetic pronunciation of a player's name which is really really useful precisely i guess for for that commentary um but you know, yeah, there was a guy on Arsenal fan TV recently who who said um, a boomerang. So you know, we we could be worse. Is my point? We definitely could be worse. We make every effort. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I was gonna do is try and find just a really glowing complimentary comment to end on. Um, but actually, I seem to have found myself in a thick a thick <laughs> brush of <laughs> of hate. <laughs> <laughs> just here. Um, I was just. Uh, oh, this one will do. We love you, Leeds. Leeds, Leeds. One of greatest in land. Okay. Thank you for Ed- <laughs> uh, to Eduardo for that comment about Leeds. And I think that's. Uh, that- oh, here's what. Oh, this is good. This is quality. Like the open ended question at the end. Really clever. Thank you. Thank you. That one was written by James Montague. I will pass on your praise. I just stumbled onto this site today and I'm impressed with the way it's put together. Well done. Would have liked the references as to where you got these figures from. Now, that's an interesting point. Uh, we do do that sometimes, but a lot of the time we can't reference where we get the information from because it's through paid sort of resources. That's correct, isn't it? Or it's from the mind of Alex Stewart. Um, no, that, that it's a very, very quick and interesting point to address is that, that we we have used data provision from a couple of paid sources um, where we reproduce uh, a graphic, we will always credit that. Um, and quite a lot of the the basic statistical information that I get, I also get from the site Who Scored. Um, the main reason that I use Who Scored is because uh, they do things by per 90s, um, uh-huh, uh-huh. which is quite helpful. Um, and there's also quite good uh, stats information on the One Football app, which you probably know because we tell you that at the end of certain videos um, as well. So there's uh, they're a good source of information too. I, I tend to get it from different places depending on exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and Stats Zone is back as well. 
anybody anybody who likes stats will be pleased that Stat Zone is back. If you I'm like stats, there's a zone for you. <laughs> it's called Stat Zone. Anyway, three comments to end on, uh, all okay. by the same person who, whose name I, I'm not sure how to pronounce, but it's spelled T K Z S F E N. Tzgazefian. Smooth Jazz makes any boring Arsenal statistics video better. I agree. Uh, then on the Liverpool finances video from a while back, he says, Joe Devine, thank you. You're welcome. And then another <laughs> video that I made and that you had nothing to do with, <laughs> The Rock of Gibraltar, uh, he says, thank you, Alex, from a Liverpool fan. Well, I appreciate that. That should be thanks to me, TKZSFN. Alex had nothing to do with that video. Uh, let's wrap it up there because I could, I could, we're only, we've actually only made it four days back and we've been talking for 50 minutes. Uh, so maybe in the future I should prepare for this but uh thank you very much for listening uh do note that if you do leave comments we do read them uh we don't mm. always make podcasts like this talking about them we do try to respond to them as much as possible we are very busy because we have to make videos all the time because otherwise everyone gets upset with us uh so if we don't reply to your comment doesn't mean that we haven't read it and we appreciate all of them that come in particularly the very complimentary ones all the personal thank you notes isn't that true alex that is true yes um, all yeah. personal thank you notes most welcome oh Not and on I the final any, note but... well there's one right there for something you didn't even do yeah but okay, okay. Yeah. anyway uh, another note uh, lots of people have asked us about the TIFO Tactics podcast yes yes you are right to do so uh, at the moment we are thinking uh, that we're going to launch it very very soon uh, we're uncertain exactly how we're going to do that but it's it's going to happen and it might very well be that the podcast that you're listening to now might become the TIFO Tactics podcast. And this football life that Joss presents that comes out every week on a Wednesday may take in some of the other topics that we might discuss, uh, we might have discussed on the TIFO football podcast at other times. So uh, tell us what you think about that idea. If you would like, leave a comment or send us an email or write us a letter. We don't have an uh, address that we're willing to give out. But if you write it, you never know. If you put it in a bottle in a river or the sea, maybe one day it will find us. In fact, someone found the oldest... Uh, Oldest message in a bottle on record the other day, didn't they? In the sea, buried in the sand, from over a hundred years ago, Alex. Did it? Did it say, "I ago. hate your voice, Alex Stewart"? <laughs> yes, it did. That's exactly what it said. It said, "Pronounce the names right and stop <laughs> saying things that are wrong or different to what I think." Shut up! Shut up! I hate you. That's mm. what it said. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, and Alex, thank you for joining us. I'll speak to you soon. <laughs>